You are listening to the Soar Above Cancer podcast, episode 108, the life of a young adult with cancer, an interview with Marley Cameron, with your hosts, Gabrielle and Alex. Hello, my fellow cancer thrivers. Welcome to this week's episode of the Soar Above Cancer podcast, a podcast dedicated to finding the strength to not only survive a cancer diagnosis, but thrive at living one's life with cancer. So Marley is a longtime friend of both Alex and I, and we're very happy to have her on the podcast to chat about what is it like to be a young adult living with cancer. And I know Alex and I talk about what that means a lot on the podcast, but we wanted a different take. We thought that Marley might be a very interesting guest for all of you to hear from. So if we start with probably our most difficult question, Marley, but <laughs> I think most of our, our listeners really enjoy listening to the answers provided by our guests for this question. So who is Marley? I was honestly really dreading this question. <laughs> um, every, every time I listen to your podcast and I hear um, people, people answer this question, I really struggle. And I think, you know, how would I answer that question? And I think I would change my answer depending on the day. Um, but overall, I am a wife. I have two cats, Simon and Moose. I am an aunt to many little nieces and nephews. Um, I like to think that I'm a giver. I try to be as empathetic as I can in my life. Um, I like tacos. I like dinosaurs, I like crocheting. I'm basically a big nerd and I just love to connect to as many people as I can. Very well answered. You crushed it, Marley. I'm very impressed. And I mean, from our perspective, Gabrielle and I have met Marley uh, many times. We've had a lot of positive interactions with her. She's one of the most genuine people I've met. I'm really glad that we can actually have her on the podcast for the first time. Uh, Now, moving on to the next question, just tell us a little bit more about your cancer experience. So it's a long one. (laughs) I was diagnosed six years ago at 20 years old with papillary thyroid cancer. Um, So in my case, I had two surgeries to remove it. I had a hemithyroidectomy on the left side, followed by a hemithyroidectomy on the right side shortly after. Um, Then I went through treatment. So for me, treatment was radioactive iodine ablation. I was in remission for about a year before I had my first relapse. Um, So I had to undergo a left neck dissection, followed by another round of high dose radioactive iodine ablation. And then I was stable for almost uh, about a year and a half, two years. And then not last Christmas, but the Christmas before I got quite sick. I had gone away to Canmore uh, to watch Colin ski. And when I came home, I just was not feeling very good. And by Christmas day, my face had swollen up. I couldn't swallow. My neck was very hard. I was in a lot of pain. So I went into the emergency room, spent Christmas Day in Emerge, and uh, through a variety of different tests and images, um, we found that my cancer had returned, but that's not what had made me sick. So I had a salivary gland infection in my submandibular salivary glands as a side effect of the treatments that I had had over the years, Um, but they did find that I had cancer um, that had returned. So my third diagnosis came in 2018. Um, They had done another operation, another left neck dissection to remove the cancer, but they were unsuccessful. So most recently they found it behind my sternum and they attempted to remove it through the top of my, through, through my neck, I guess, the top of my sternum and they couldn't remove it. So now I'm just in a wait and watch 
kind of pattern. We just scan every six months and hope that nothing grows and nothing changes. And until it does, we're just gonna, we're just gonna wait. We're gonna let it be. And eventually I will have to have a full sternotomy. And then um, obviously the radioactive iodine is not working for me. So we're gonna move on to external radiation, but for now we're just watching. Watching, waiting. Mm -hmm. It's a fun game. <laughs> It is, it is quite a game to play at mm -hmm. for sure. So you just described years of going through experiences with cancer and as a young, young adult, that also touches a lot of our lives in very different ways. So how do you think that your experience with cancer has impacted your life as a young adult the most? Oh my gosh. Um, I think, I think I am, I think I'm more conscious of how I live every day as opposed to how I was before. So, I mean, it has a lot of, it has a lot of impact on um, finances, fertility, um, pain, all sorts of things, but it also had a lot of impact on, um, I guess, the mental aspect of my life and the social aspect of my life. And I think I'm more intentional now than I was before. So I think that's probably where it had the greatest impact for me was maybe mentally and socially how I approach living my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, there's so many difficult aspects of, of living cancer as an adolescent or a young adult. And we've all gone through our different struggles and emotionally, physically, spiritually, things like that. Was there one maybe aspect that was the most difficult to overcome? And, and maybe how did you overcome that one aspect? I think the biggest for me has been my loss of fertility. Um, and it's not something that I've overcome yet. It's still a journey. It's still a process for me. And it will be for a long time to come. But um, thyroid cancer is typically very easily treated and they don't give thyroid cancer patients the option for fertility preservation, at least not where I live. So it wasn't even a question. It wasn't even a thought process that I had had at 20 years old, or I guess I was 19 when I, when I went through the process of being diagnosed and then I was diagnosed three days after my 20th birthday. So at that age, I wasn't really thinking fertility wise, no. but I had always known from a very young age that the one thing I wanted to achieve in life if nothing else was to be a mom. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, after they took my thyroid out, I went into what my doctors called menopause, like a menopausal state. And that was a really hard, hard truth to swallow, I think. And it still is um, to have that one thing that you, you always thought you were going to do and do well to have that taken away at, mm -hmm. you know, before you were ready or before you'd even had a chance to think about it. It was, it was really difficult. But I, I remind myself often that there are lots of ways to be a mom. I don't have to have children naturally to, um, to be able to be a mother as much as I would love that. Maybe it's not in the cards for me and maybe I won't get to be the best mom, but I can be the best aunt and my husband can be the best uncle to our nieces and nephews. And we just right now are getting through day by day and loving on these little babies and spoiling them as much as we can. Well, that's the thing is, I mean, you've spoken so highly as being that aunt and you have a couple of cats to work with. And so you had that practice, obviously, which is really nice. And so I'm, I'm glad you're getting the opportunity to be that mom in, in sort of different in, in functional ways, which is always nice to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. I guess another question that I would have for you is, are there moments, I'm sure there has been moments, but what have been the most shocking moments over the six years where you're like, I am no longer like 
my peers. I am living a different life because of my experience with cancer than my peers. And what kind of realizations have you come to in that regard? So when I first was diagnosed, I had a lot of friends. I had a huge friend group. And then through the process of getting sick and going through treatment in the beginning, um, my friends kind of moved on. And it's hard to say, and, and, it's, and it's, it's hard to understand that that they could move on or, or, you know, their, their lives continue to, to grow and, and expand and yours doesn't, you're kind of put on pause for however long. And for me, it's been six freaking years. I'm ready to move on with my life too. But, you know, I think for them, and I touch on this a little bit about a blog in a blog post that I recently wrote where their afternoons were spent in coffee shops and mine were spent in waiting rooms. And for them, a cocktail is a fruity drink. For me, it was a handful of prescriptions to keep my body functioning. You know, there's, there's those fundamental differences, but then also I think the maturity level is, is totally different as well. When I look at other people my age, so I'm 26 now. So, I mean, people are starting to kind of become a little (laughs) bit more mature at 25, 26, but when I was 22, 23 years old, you know, they were still going out to the bar and drinking three nights a week. And I was more content to be at home spending time with my family or, you know, some friends who maybe were not as apt to go out and party. So I I think socially, my life has been very different than somebody my own age, for sure. No, I think it's a really good point you touch on is the maturity aspect. I mean, I felt that a lot as well, being diagnosed around the same age, being 20, mm-hmm. you are almost forced to grow up a little bit quicker because you have to deal with so much more. There's so much more on your plate than your peers. And there is that little bit of, of disconnect because they're doing different things. They're maturing in different ways. You may not have that same ability, but you're maturing in other ways. And so there is that sort of catch 22, but it's a give and take. And I think mm-hmm. that's, that's a good thing. Obviously, having a lot of independence as a 19-year-old, or at least kind of getting to that point where you're starting to make a lot of decisions, was there a feeling of like a loss of independence when you were first diagnosed? Did you ever kind of feel that and, and maybe touch upon that a little bit? Absolutely. So, I mean, at 19, I was like, I liked to think that I was pretty independent. And then being thrown into the cancer world or a medical world in general, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, You know, I relied a lot on my parents and a lot on my, at the time, he was a new boyfriend. We'd only been dating eight months. We're married now. But at the time, you know, I couldn't wash my own hair after surgery. I couldn't dress myself. I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't clean. I couldn't, you know, feed myself some days after one of my surgeries, I couldn't lift my arms. So I did rely a lot on everybody around me. And I relied a lot on them for emotional support as well. Uh, so I, absolutely, I had a huge loss of independence. And now six years later, I'm, I'm trying to claw my way back out of that. And I'm trying to build my own independence again. And it can be a little bit of a struggle, especially with parents. At 19, it was very natural for my mom to just jump into that caretaker role, and I appreciate it more than anything, but now, six years later, I'm trying to maybe gain a little bit of independence and go to appointments on my own and make decisions for myself, and there's that little bit of a disconnect between how I'm feeling and how my mom's feeling. She's struggling to let go, but I'm struggling to stand on my own, mm-hmm. so it's a it's a fine line. It's a hard dance to, to do, but... Um, eventually like as your life moves on I think your independence you can get a lot of your independence back um 
But I think I, I think I also, to some degree, gained a little bit of independence through it because, you know, as I, as I went through the motions of being sick and being a patient and I started to mature a little bit, it was just kind of a natural thing for me to make big life decisions on my own as well, if that makes yeah. any sense. It does. I relate to a lot of what you've already said. And I guess the next point is something that I think we'll be able to relate to together too, is that we were actually treated at the same cancer center. Mm-hmm. Did not know each other. No. Nope. <laughs> But we're treated at the same cancer center, which is a little more isolated. It's not in a big city. There might not be the same kind of numbers of young adults that are evidently, I guess, mm-hmm. in the cancer center. Most of the time, I don't know if it was the same experience for you, Marley, but there was no other young adults anywhere no. <laughs> in sight. Right? No, exactly. And if it, they were, they were accompanying someone like their parent or grandparents. So how was it going through all of this in not only not only isolated from your peers but also isolated from a community of young adults that we know exists now but isn't necessarily present geographically where you you went through all of this i still struggle with this a lot i think um so i'm treated on head and neck days and on head and neck days there are no young adults in the cancer center um, specifically now because they actually canceled the thyroid cancer clinic through the cancer center. I just, because of my needy case, I guess I'm still treated with an oncologist and an oncology team. So I don't even see other thyroid patients. Um, but if I walk into the waiting room on any given head and neck day, I'm usually the only female under 50 years old. So yeah, I mean, it definitely, it's a little shocking to look around and see that nobody there looks like you and to know that nobody could relate to you as a young adult. And then, like you said, to be a little bit more isolated. And I mean, yeah, we're isolated, but we're still a huge community. It's still a big cancer center. So it's a little, it's, it's, um, it's been difficult for sure. And I don't think I really understood how difficult it was until I found peer support through YAC or Young Adult Cancer Canada. And then I kind of realized like, wow, all of this is missing from my recovery. And now my life is so much better because of all of this peer support that I have. And I wish I'd had it from day one. And what if I had never found YAC? What if I was one of those 21 people who, you know, are diagnosed every day and don't find a peer support group? where would I be? I don't think I'd be here. I don't think I'd be in, you know, as as successful or at thriving as I am today. That's for sure. Yeah. And it's a perfect segue. You bring up Yak. We've spoken about it a lot and it really just brings together all of these different aspects of AYA cancer and, and the community that really surrounds us, especially in Canada. So what has Yak and in general, young adults living with cancer and the community, what has it meant in your experience with cancer and maybe even your life in general? I've said it before and I'll say it a hundred times, Yak saved my life. So um, I was in a really bad spot mentally. Um, I was dealing with a lot of depression and anxiety and paranoia in in my mental aspect of my cancer journey. And I didn't have anybody that I could relate to on that level. I really didn't even know very many people in my life who had gone through cancer and everybody that I did know who had cancer had died. So I, you know, I was really struggling facing my own mortality at such a young age. And then to be introduced to a group 
And, you know, even four years later, after being introduced to going to my first YAC event and being surrounded by a hundred other young adults with cancer, it was so empowering. And I met Alex there that, that you know, my first event and mm -hmm. several years after that, we've known each other now, but it was, it's indescribable to sit in a room after so many years of thinking you were alone in this to, you know, having a hundred people who can look you in the eye and say, I understand what you're going through and genuinely mean it. Mm -hmm. So it was, it's, it's done a lot for me and my recovery. My, I feel like my recovery took a whole 360 degree turn for the better. Like it's, or I guess a 180 for the better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's become exponentially greater um, simply because I have so many other people that can relate to me. Yeah. I would so agree with you on that point. I think it changes everything once you find that community of other young adults and you feel like, oh yeah, okay, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one feeling this way. Mm -hmm. So Marley, we have had the chance to talk to you one-on-one -on -one multiple times before. Mm -hmm. We think that, well, I think, maybe I should speak for myself, but I think Alex might feel the same way. I personally think that what you're able to bring to other people going through this experience is amazing. You talked about being empathetic and wanting to give back. And for me, you've been a person who's been able to give back to me in that sense. And I'm wondering, and this is another tough question. Hmm. What do you think you would tell someone who's maybe in a harder spot or starting this incredible journey? What would be that one thing that you would say? You're not alone there are, it may not feel like it at all times in your journey. Often you're going to feel like you're the only person who understands what you're going through and that you have nobody to relate to, but you are not alone. There are so many people out there within young adult cancer communities like Yak who are so knowledgeable and so open and can provide an incredibly safe space for you to share your story and your truths and don't be afraid to reach out there's there are some genuinely good people in this world who want to help you and who are ready to help you get through your journey and all it takes is that one little leap of faith to jump headfirst into a peer support community and hopefully you have an as amazing of an experience as i have Yes, there certainly are genuinely good people in the world. Marley is 100% one of them. So with that being said, how can someone reach out to you, Marley, if they want some advice or if they just want to talk? So I am most active on Facebook and Instagram. I am pretty frequently on those social media platforms. I am in the process of starting a blog, but if you are interested in following along with um, a little bit about my thoughts and processes through through my own journey with cancer. Young Adult Cancer Canada has been um, providing me a platform to share my blog posts on, so you can follow along there if you are interested, or you can contact, uh, I guess, Alex or Gabrielle, and they can share my information. I yeah, love to connect with everybody, so please don't be afraid. Yeah, thank you. In today's episode, Gabrielle and I discuss and finally interview a close friend of ours from Young Adult Cancer Canada, Marley Cameron. She tells us a little bit about herself as a person, and we dive into her cancer journey as it stands and her experience as she is as a person today. 
we discuss some of the most difficult aspects of AYA cancer and how a lot of these aspects and topics related to Marley personally. We discuss what has helped her the most as an AYA cancer thriver and living in a community that's somewhat isolated and what had really helped her was the AYA cancer community and what this experience has really helped in her life as a cancer thriver as well as her life in general. We get some knowledgeable advice on what she would tell someone in this hard place or experiencing cancer for herself, as well as speaking as to how we can reach out and discuss a lot of her information and just the genuine person that she is. And we really want to thank, I want to speak just for Gabrielle and myself for just thanking you for coming on the podcast. It was great to speak with you today, Marla. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks. So this ends episode 108, The Life of a Young Adult with Cancer, an interview with Marley Cameron. A big thank you to you, our listeners. You continue to show up for us every single week, and that means so very much to us. And again, like Alex said, thank you, Marley, for being on the show. It was an absolute pleasure to be able to speak to you today and get your take on kind of your experience, which then we can now share with the rest of the world, which is great. Before you go, our listeners, please do remember that if you have any questions or suggestions or comments, or if you simply want to share your story, please do reach out to us through the Soar Above Cancer podcast, the website, as well as our social media accounts, which are all linked in the show notes. Many smiles to you and see you next week.